Prophecy and preparedness. And now, your host, the editor in chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the broadcast. Good to have you with us tonight. Of course, we are live on Sunday nights. Coronavirus or not, we are here for you. Aren't these some crazy days? My goodness, that we are all living in. I have got so much. To talk about tonight, it was good having, uh, you know, our good friend uh, Randy Williams here to share the news segment last Sunday night. I really enjoyed that. I hope you did as well. And uh, we've got him rebooked to come back in a few weeks and talk about the Jack the Ripper case, uh, which is what his book is about. So looking forward to that. But I'm excited to come back to the microphone tonight to kind of get back into the saddle. And I don't know, just I, I just want to share with you my observations and uh, some of you might disagree with me. I hope we can still be friends. Uh, I think it's sad there's so much division, you know, going on in this country. We've got this division over politics, of course, and that's going to be heating up as we get close to the election. But then we've got this division over the coronavirus and how people should deal with that. And, you know, my view is if you want to stay home and you feel like that's the right thing to do for you, uh, you want to wear a mask, all of those kind of things. That's fine. I, I have no problem whatsoever. Where I have a problem is when you tell me that I have to stay home and that I have to wear a mask. And uh, it's really a strange thing because I, I heard uh, a discussion about this today, and I'm going to get into that in a moment. But, you know, if you think back to biblical times, what did they do with lepers? If somebody contracted leprosy, which was a horrible, horrible disease, that person was quarantined. They even had islands where these people would be uh, taken to, but they didn't quarantine the healthy people. And I still don't understand what the outrage is about those of us that are healthy, don't have any uh, underlying medical issues with us going out to the beach with us going out to the restaurants, to the hair salons, to the public parks. I, I don't get that because no one is going to break into your home and infect you. If you're somebody that feels that the best option for you is to stay in your home because, you know, either it's just your belief system or you're somebody that does uh, does have the virus or is worried about infecting an elderly relative that you live with. I get all that. I just I don't understand why there's not room here for disagreement uh, without it becoming hostile. And, and it really does seem to be getting hostile. And it is interesting to me how this is divided almost uh, right along political philosophical lines. So you've got almost to the person, it seems like, the the ones that are demanding that we wear the masks, that we close all the parks, 
all of this, you know, shut shut in, stay in your house, everything shut down. Those seem to be the liberals and the conservatives are on the other side of this saying, now, wait a minute. The World Health Organization told us that we don't need to wear masks. We shouldn't wear masks. Then they came back and said, no, maybe you should, maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. You know, the idea here of these masks, if you're sick, you should wear a mask. But if you're not sick, why should I have to wear a mask if I'm not sick? And and the other question that no one can seem to answer for me is, how is it science if it's okay for me to go up to the grocery store, go into Walmart, these kinds of places which are busy, you know, Target, these are places with lots of people shopping, hundreds of people shopping. How is that okay but it's not okay for me to go to a bike path, to a, a hiking trail, to a public park, to a beach. And thank God our county decided today uh, was our first day. Our beach is now open 24-7. A few days ago, they opened our beach up for just three hours a day. And it was only certain sections of the beach. And people are starting to question this. It's like, well, why is this section of the beach okay, but this other section of the beach is not okay? I mean, first of all, why is the beach not <laughs> allowed to begin with? Makes no sense. Because everything you read is is sunshine, fresh air, exercise, all of that. That's all supposed to be good for you. But where do you get that? I guess in your own backyard, if you're following these these requirements. So in any case, we're going to get into all of this tonight. And I want to also um, in a moment talk to you about my trip I took up to Georgia yesterday. My wife and I, we decided to uh, go through uh, the checkpoint <laughs> and leave the the state of Florida, which is still under shutdown. And we went into the free state of Georgia, which is no longer under shutdown. I'm going to talk to you about that. We also have a great guest lined up tonight. At the bottom of the hour, uh, we're going to talk about one of the most fascinating true crime stories, really, uh, maybe in the past 150 years, maybe ever in the United States. And people are fascinated with this story. It is the book is called Crime of the Century, the Lindbergh Kidnapping Hoax. And this is all about the kidnapping and death of Charles Lindbergh, Jr., the child, the baby of Charles Lindbergh. What a fascinating story. And we, we had the authors on two years ago, and this is one of our most downloaded replay episodes of all of our episodes. So I, I asked my producer, I said, let's get them back on because I want to do a commercial free interview. We did we did it two years ago and we had the commercials when we were still with the network. And now that we're commercial free, I said, let's do this again, uh, commercial free. So we're going to do that tonight in about 23 minutes. Uh, author Stephen Monier will be here. The book Crime of the Century. And then next week, uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, Allie Anderson will be back with us and she has a book out. The title is this Encounters. Extraordinary Accounts of Angelic Intervention and What the Bible Actually Says About God's Messengers. There's so much talk today about angels, and some of it, honestly, is not biblical. I, I've heard about people praying to angels, uh, this kind of thing. Um, I want to get into this topic next week of angels 
And uh, if you've got a story about angels that you want to email me, we'll be maybe sharing some of those stories during the interview. I've got an angel story that I'll be sharing during the interview as well. The email is jim at christianmoney.com, jim at christianmoney.com. All right, before we get into it tonight, I want to tell you about our sponsor. Tonight's sponsor is defendyourrights.us. There's a lot of things going on right now that would require talking to an attorney. I just read an article a few minutes ago that auto repossessions are skyrocketing. We're, of course, expecting foreclosures to skyrocket. People are having battles right now with their employers about claiming unemployment, uh, with their own states about getting unemployment. There's a lot of legal things right now that everybody is dealing with, uh, whether it's creditors and you can't pay your bills or you, you're turned down for unemployment or you're dealing with a landlord that's trying to evict you during the shutdown and you don't know what your rights are. This is a, uh, a service legal shield that I have been a member of for 20 years. And uh, I highly recommend it. It's a way you can access attorneys for about 25 bucks a month, cancel at any time. And it's a really neat thing. You can find out all the details tonight by going to our sponsor, defendyourrights.us. Tonight's sponsor, defendyourrights.us. US. All right. So my wife and I decided we, we actually talked about this, I think, Wednesday or Thursday that we were going to go up on Saturday, which is yesterday. We were going to go up on Saturday to spend the day up in Georgia. I almost booked a hotel. We were going to stay overnight, but we decided that since the restaurants aren't open yet, we might do that next week, next weekend. We might book a hotel and stay up there overnight. Uh, but we did get a chance to go up there and do some fun things. First of all, it was just interesting to go through the state line of Georgia and Florida and see on the way back from Georgia, we went through the, the checkpoint, which was really silly because they didn't stop any cars or anything. They just had a bunch of police. A bunch of orange cones out, a bunch of flashing signs saying COVID-19 checkpoint, but actually nobody was stopped. And, and you know, that didn't surprise me because I had read that all they were doing at these checkpoints was show security, <laughs> show security. Yes, that is to kind of give people the perception that there was something going on there to secure the border of the state of Florida. Even people, I understand that uh, at, the, at, at one point they were questioning drivers, asking them where they were coming from. Even those that said they were coming from New York were just waved through. So you wonder, these are the kind of things that make you wonder, you know, what what is really going on? And I put this up on my Facebook this afternoon. I asked the question, how many people still think there's something about this shutdown that we still don't know, something we have not been told yet? And a lot of people said, yes, I agree. There's something else going on here. And I was talking to a friend about this yesterday. And, you know, we may never know really what was behind all of this. We may never know, but there's so many things that just don't make sense. And we talked about that last week, but, you know, we were driving, uh, we're on I-95, we're going north, and uh, I actually passed a couple of Greyhound buses, which just reminded me 
of a rant that I've been, you know, having the last two or three shows about why is it okay to fill up a Greyhound bus with people? And these bus trips are sometimes, you know, 20 hours, 25 hours, you're crammed into a bus, which holds, I believe, 60 or 70 passengers. Why is that okay? But a restaurant dining room is not okay. Why is Target and the grocery store and Walmart, why is that okay? But it's not okay to be able to go to a bike path or a park or a beach. So you see, the the, the people pushing all this on Facebook, a lot of, you know, my, my uh, followers on Facebook are, are saying, Jim, look, listen to the scientists, listen to the medical experts. How is that science when you can fill up a Greyhound bus, but you can't let people eat in a restaurant dining room? I, I just, it doesn't make sense to me, which is why I think there's something more going on here. And you've heard a lot of theories I don't know. I, I really don't feel like tonight speculating too much into what the other issues could be. Maybe that's for another time. But I did find it interesting how many people on my Facebook today said, yes, I do think something else is going on. All right. Let me uh, let me tell you a little bit about the trip to Georgia. And then we've got so much more news to get into. OK, so we go up to Georgia yesterday. And it was just fascinating to be up in Georgia. We just went over the border. So I live about two hours from the line. So we go over the line into Georgia. We're in a little town called Kingsland, Georgia. And also we were, we were in a little town called St. Mary's, Georgia. Just these are really small, tiny little towns. So my wife got her nails done, which she's been wanting to get done for weeks, Um I got a haircut and I really needed a haircut badly. Uh, <laughs> for those of you that watch me on the videos on YouTube and, and all of that, you notice I've been wearing a hat a lot lately. Well, about a week ago, I, I actually actually tried to cut my own hair. I, I did. I cut my own hair and, and it didn't look that bad, really. But I mean, my hair was just out of control. So I got a haircut. My wife got her nails done. Um, we got to go in some retail stores and walk around a little bit. We got uh, to buy a nice lunch from Larry's Subs. And they actually let us sit down at some picnic tables out front and eat at a table. It was like, Wow. I get to actually sit down and, and eat a meal at a table. But it was interesting, the vibe there. I, I didn't notice nearly, nearly as many people wearing the masks when I was in Walmart there or the retail stores. Maybe about 10% or so are wearing the masks there. Here in Palm Coast, Florida, I would say closer to 50% of our folks here are wearing the masks and all that when they're in the grocery store. Uh, but this is a, it's, it's interesting to me how heated this has gotten on social media. And there's almost this holier than thou attitude that people have the mask wearers. Like I care about other people more than you do. And I wear a mask and I wear gloves. Uh, but when you look at, you know, if you wear gloves, think about this. So if you're wearing those gloves, I mean, after you touch a few things, how is that any different than your hands? It's not. I mean, and if you touch your face wearing those gloves, it's going to transfer germs the same way. What I want you to do is if you get nothing out of our new segment tonight, please write this down. Go to YouTube, and, and I'm sure this video is going to get taken down, but you're probably going to be able to find this on different places because it's gone viral. But you want to do a search for Dr. Dan Erickson, 
E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. So there's two doctors. The, the, the main one who you'll find this under is Dr. Dan Erickson. They're out of Bakersfield, California. And they put together, it's about a 53-minute video where they invite a lot of news media in to their conference room. Um, I guess the one man is an emergency room doctor. Um, they're both MDs. And man, oh man, did they make sense. They made so much sense that I'm sure the video is going to get taken down. Um, a couple of things, though, that I took from it that really resonated with me, that they were not afraid and they came out and said it, that the numbers of deaths for coronavirus, for COVID-19, are actually right in line with the numbers of deaths historically in recent years for the flu. And that's something we've been told we cannot say. We cannot say that. I don't know why we can't say that, but that is not a narrative that is allowed. If you put that up online, chances are you'll get a strike on your account. Maybe uh, you'll get a warning. Maybe they'll throttle your account or maybe you'll lose your social media account. Um, but he put the numbers out there and the numbers are the numbers. And the numbers are that the deaths that we have from coronavirus, from COVID-19, are in line with the same amount of deaths we have annually from the flu. Um, he also got into this whole idea of the the isolating and, and, and why this home isolation makes no sense. And he talked about the biblical example of lepers and how people with leprosy, they were isolated, but they didn't isolate the entire community because one person or 10 people had leprosy in a community. They they isolated the sick. And that's what we've historically done. We isolate the sick, those who are at who are sick or who are at risk um, because they have additional medical issues. Those are the people that need to be isolated. This whole idea that everyone needs to be isolated it's never made any sense to me. And the one thing in this video that I found fascinating was what he points out is the risk of isolation to our immune system. And I want to tell you, I, I agree with this so much, um, this idea that exposing yourself to germs is a good thing it, because our body, our body is this miraculous creation from God. And as we're exposed to germs and viruses, we build up antibodies. We build up immunity. And, and I'll tell you why I believe so much in this. My wife rarely, if ever, gets sick. She is a school teacher. She's around people all the time, around kids all the time. She rarely gets sick. Unlike me, I work from home. So usually I'm up at a coffee shop for a couple hours a day, you know, I, I teach a martial arts class. I'm around some amount of people, but not very many during the week. I go to a, a band practice compared to my wife. I'm maybe around, I don't know, two or three percent of the people, uh, you know, headcount wise that she's around. And she is never sick. Really, almost never is she sick. And I get everything. I, I get everything. And we've always talked about, you know, why my immune system is not as strong as hers. And I really believe in this idea that isolation, and this is what these doctors point out, really does lead to the risk of reducing all of our immune systems to the point where once we open society back up again, 
We're going to all have weakened immune systems. Um, so that's another risk, you know, the other side of this. And But let me say this. Uh, so find that video, Dr. Dan Erickson, and watch it. It's 53 minutes. Share it on your social media. It's already gotten millions of views. The control, let me say this, though, tonight, the control is collapsing. This forced shut-in is collapsing. People have had it. And the news is filled with stories of people defying the stay-at-home orders all across the country. I read one just a few minutes ago. A, uh, a tailor that makes beautiful suits in New York City, he announced he's open for business tomorrow. Bring in your alterations, come in and buy a suit. He doesn't care if he faces arrest or fine. He's fine. He says, I cannot afford to be closed any longer. He's opening for business. More and more protests are taking place. More and more business owners are simply opening up their businesses and they cannot arrest us all. They simply can't. So many states are opening up. Georgia is is open. They opened up a partial opening on Friday. Then they'll be fully open by Monday. Tennessee is open. South Carolina is open. Oklahoma is open and many others. But if you watch this closely, what you're going to see is that the states that are opening up are mostly the blue state, the red states. The red states are opening and the blue states want to stay closed. And uh, I, I really think there's an agenda. And I want to quickly kind of outline this for you. Um, and let me let me mention one other thing before I get to the agenda. The unemployment system in many, many states, including here in Florida, has just completely failed people. It has completely collapsed. We have a governor here, Ron DeSantis, who's a Republican, who I voted for, who I have historically liked, but not so much anymore. Uh, he is going around doing press conferences, telling everybody that the unemployment system is great. They've put a bunch of new servers online, yada, yada, yada. It's been a month since a lot of people have been out of work, and I happen to have a relative that's out of work. And 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 like five percent of our population that's unemployed has seen any money from unemployment, and uh, the the computer, the website keeps crashing. Um, it's 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 a crazy thing, and you know I, I get it that some people want this shutdown to continue, but you've got to think about the, the toll on the other side of it too, because these people that have families, I mean, I don't know what it would be like to, to have, you know, if I'm married and I've got three or four little children and I don't have an income and I don't have unemployment. I think a lot of people are surviving right now because they got maybe a tax refund recently. And then some people are getting the stimulus uh, but people cannot go very long. I mean, I read the articles like everybody else that the average person has like $500 in savings, which I know is not good. You should have a lot more money in savings, but people don't have money in savings. They don't have thousands of dollars. So what are they going to do when the stimulus money they got is gone and they're not getting unemployment? Um, this is a recipe for disaster. I mean, people are telling me literally they're hungry. They don't have food for their family. I'm seeing pictures of 
of cars lined up for miles to go into some of these food banks where they can get a small amount of food for free. Uh, it is really, really amazing. It is sad. It, it is sad. It makes me want to cry when I go to the grocery store and I see someone standing there um, trying to decide what little piece of meat they can buy. And you can just tell by looking at them and, and looking at the, the pain on their face that they they can barely afford a little package of ground beef to take home to their family. You know, it's times like that that I think, you know what, I'd love to help the whole world if I could do it, if I had the money to be able to do it. Um, but there's so much more happening here. You know, we pray for those that are sick. We pray for the families that have lost people. We know that this is a serious sickness like so many other illnesses are. But we also have to look at the other side of this, the suicides that are skyrocketing, uh, the the cases of child abuse, the cases of domestic abuse, uh, the marriage problems that are occurring because of this and the financial issues and the medical issues, uh, heart attacks on the rise, anxiety, PTSD, all kinds of things are happening to people who are being forced out of the economy to just sit back, be locked up in their house, and they don't have the money uh, to, to survive. But quickly, before we run out of time, I want to just give you some of my thoughts about what I think the agenda is here, because we've got this this what's really shaping up to be a lot of red states are opening back up again, but a lot of blue states are not going to open. And, and I think, you know, the, the cat was let out of the bag a little bit when uh, Governor Cuomo of New York said, we can't open until we get funding from the federal government. You know, a lot of these blue states have had major issues for a long time. I mean, we're talking about go back 20 years, 30 years uh, of the financial mismanagement. So I think the agenda here on, on behalf of the blue states is I think blue states are looking for a big financial bailout. They're looking for the money they need for their underfunded pension, for their infrastructure that that is crumbling. This is an, a moment, an opportunity, if you will, for them to, to get a spot at the trough of all this money and try to get enough money to be able to make up for 20 years of mismanagement, 30 years of mismanagement. So watch that closely as the blue states forming coalitions are going to refuse to open up. I think obviously Democrats want to pin this whole crisis on Trump, no matter how it comes out, one way or the other. Um, you know, no matter what he does, he did too much of this. He did too little of that. No matter what he did, they're going to try to drag this out and get this to last as long as possible, as close to the election as possible. And speaking of elections, I think another part of the agenda is this whole idea that they've already floated that they want to switch it over to a mail-in ballot instead of people going out and voting. Now, look, if we can go to the grocery store, we can go out and vote. And I think this whole idea of a mail-in ballot is a prescription for one of the it's, it would be like, in my view, the biggest election scam in history. It, it would be so easy to rig an election if it was completely all a mail-in ballot. And that's what Democrats are pushing for. I think they're also pushing for mandatory vaccinations. Now, this has been a battle going on for a long time. There's, there's a tiny percentage of our population that for good reasons, good scientific and medical reasons, they don't want their children to be vaccinated. 
I don't necessarily agree with that as far as those people take it. My children were vaccinated. I was vaccinated as a child. But I believe that if they don't want to be vaccinated, we shouldn't force vaccinations. And and they're talking about the possibility of maybe, you know, forcing a vaccination on all of us for this coronavirus, you know, next year. Um, and, and that's another part of this agenda is forced a uh, uh, vaccination. So there's a lot of things happening here. You know, we continue to monitor this and, and, you know, I, I don't want to jump into all of these conspiracy theories that are out there. There's a lot of conspiracy theories, uh, but I'll tell you what, I mean, if you can't point out the facts to me, that's the opposite of a conspiracy theory. Somebody that like these doctors, they want to get uh, the press into a room and they want to have a meeting and say, OK, here's what we know and actually share numbers. But that's apparently not allowed. You're not allowed to share the actual numbers of COVID-19 versus influenza. You're not allowed to do that. This is, you know, and this is what concerns me and all of these projections that we were given. Uh, none of them have turned out to be true. I think, uh, I mean, it would probably be um, generous to say that they were off by 90%. I think they were probably off by more than 90%. Um, all of those projections were theoretical. I think this whole stay-at-home idea, self-isolation, I think this is all theoretical. And so many of these governors and mayors uh, have gone so far. We've got so many sheriffs now saying, I will not enforce these crazy rules. And I love that because a mayor, a mayor says you can't go to the park with your child. You can't go to the beach. You can't go to the bike path. Then the sheriff comes out and says, well, look, mayor, I'm not going to enforce that. If people can go to the grocery store, they should be able to go to the bike path. I'm not going to enforce that. I love to see these constitutional sheriffs standing up for the constitutional rights of Americans. All right, so much more to get into, but we just don't have the time. I do want to mention, lastly, um, the uh, online business training. A lot of people have been asking me about that. We did announce a couple weeks ago that we're opening that back up again, uh, how to start on an online business. That will be launched on May 1st. So make sure you're on the email list over at christianmoney.com so you can get invited to that. And we're going to take a one-minute break, refire the open. We'll be back with our special guest to talk about this fascinating case of the Lindbergh baby kidnapping. We'll be back in one minute. Don't miss it. Stand by.